Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. All right. Today we're talking comfy cash, resale resurgence, and abandoning the internet. So comfy cash, you know what that makes me think of? Make, makes me think of our old stomping grounds back in town, uh, in town Atlanta. There is a little restaurant called Homegrown, mm-hmm. and they had this dish. I think they still have it. It's called the Comfy Chicken Biscuit. Uh, if they ever <laughs> stop selling that dish, they'll go out of business immediately because that is their number one. That's, would, their, that's their calling card. Yeah, for anybody who, who's not in the know, because most of you probably don't live in Atlanta, <laughs> it's just a fried, giant fried chicken, I don't know what, breast, is a split breast yeah. or something like that, on a massive biscuit just doused in sausage gravy. It's not good for anybody's health. No, it's terrible for it your body. Very good. Wonderful for your mouth and your soul, right? <laughs> I, have you been there recently? No, uh, it's probably been a couple of years because we don't live close by we anymore. We don't live there. And I miss it, though. I hope it's still there because it's like this rundown shack. It's the kind of place you would expect on the side of a road, like out in the country. Yeah. But they got, somehow got plopped into the middle <laughs> of a quite burgeon, like developing neighborhood. I yeah. hope it I hope it's still able. I'm to. sure it's like constantly dark there now with all like the kind of the skyscrapers that are built around. <laughs> not skyscrapers, but like you know, ten story buildings it, and stuff. It is what it feels like. Yeah. But a uh, little shout out to Homegrown for anybody who's visiting Atlanta. Look it up. Hopefully, hopefully it's still there. Definitely, definitely top five restaurants in my in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you agree, but it's uh, just got this. I love it's it. got what you're looking for. It's like home southern home cooking, but they also have a bunch of weird art. It's funky up, too. up on the walls yeah. as well, which is makes it fun. Right up my alley. All right, before, I bought my first. Black Cat Tips. Oh, did piece you? From there. Yeah, it was up on the wall there. My and favorite I, artist. And, and I loved it. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any artist that represents the vibe and aesthetic of homegrown than Black Cat yeah. Tips. <laughs> and really, honestly, of our, our city at this point, too. He's like 
so prolific uh, in, in what he's been able to create. But Matt, let's, before we get to the Friday flight, I just want to m- uh, mention this one thing. Uh, a friend of the show, Maggie, who is who's actually also from Atlanta while we're talking about this. She, Nothing but Atlanta stories today, folks. <laughs> she's no, a content just, creator just in the money space. She's got a podcast and stuff. But she mentioned on Instagram divergent spending. And I just never heard that term before, but it clicked with me. I was like, this is... This is a brilliant way to think about things. It kind of goes to our craft beer equivalent, but she was talking about how it's so weird. Like she's hyper uh, specific and anal essentially about not spending money in some areas. Like she cuts her own hair, but then on other things, she I just like that she spends freely, like buying ninety four dollars sweatpants. She mentioned as one of those things. Dang, I've never spent that much That's, on sweatpants. Didn't yeah. know you could run them up well, that high, but it's something that you just throw on around the house. So does it doesn't matter that they like what bar what threshold do they have to achieve yeah. <laughs> in order to be considered fancy sweatpants maybe they're made out of specialty material i don't know super comfy but soft stuff I, i'm not going to judge that because i actually think that's awesome i think this is yeah. the whole yeah. kind of like the heartbeat behind what we talk about in so many ways which is to enjoy your money and spend intentionally on the things that matter to you and then dial back radically on the things that don't um, and it's just really easy to buy into spending money the way other people think is normal and not totally agree the way you particularly specifically want to spend your dollars yes okay so this kind of reminds me of the so last week on the podcast we talked about the american dream and that it's going to cost over three million dollars to basically achieve that yeah and one we talked about a lot of things when we talked through that story but one of the things we didn't discuss was the fact that i think what kind of rubbed us the wrong way about that story is was the fact that there is some sort of stock american lifestyle mm-hmm. that we should be striving after which sounds kind of terrible. <laughs> um, there's like, you know, I'm not hating on anybody who wants the two point, however many children, the white picket fence, that whole thing. I, you should as, just round up or down on that one. Though. As long on as, the kids, at least. as long as you are you're pursuing after that intentionally, right? Like, if you want to be, you know, plain vanilla, if you, it's the kind of lifestyle that's going to make your parents happy, you know. <laughs> and if that's the case, if that's what you want to prioritize, more power to you. I love it. It's just the fact that there's sort of this default assumption that. Like, don't make any assumptions about anybody out there, yeah. whether like whether it's us or whether, you know, you're listening and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to. That's not the kind of life I'm going to lead. And we couldn't agree more. Basically, the weirder, the better when it comes to some of the different things that light us up and the things that we want to pursue, spend our money on and the things we don't want to spend our money on. In yeah. Maggie's case, she doesn't want to spend money on haircuts. I could totally get behind that. Since yeah. I cut my hair since I was 11 years old, <laughs> basically. So uh, I'm cool with the divergence. In that I, way, I, I I'm think, I'm totally with her. Yeah, I think leaning into the divergence of and and, and saying and and being a little more purposely different, yes. saying like, listen, no, this is normally where people spend money. I have realized that it doesn't move the needle for me. And guess what? If I dial back on spending in that area, it means I could funnel more towards the things that really do move the needle for me. That's a good way to think about it. And especially as we get towards the uh, the end of the year, maybe look back over your budget and say like, where, where was I spending where I could actually dial that back? Not even necessarily so that I can funnel more money into my 401k, although that might be a decent use of might some of it. need to be something that you do. But, but just so that you can purposely spend beautifully in another area on fancy sweatpants or whatever it is that lights yeah. you up, you know? Yeah, I could not Yeah, could not agree more. We just want folks to be living their life on purpose. Yeah. And I, we might actually get to more of those kind of themes during <laughs> during this episode. But this is our Friday flight. And we're going to talk about not just Atlanta stories, but uh, stories we came across uh, this past week that are going to apply to everybody out there. And let's start first with housing. 
uh, Joel, because like in the middle of the pandemic, we got a lot of questions out there from listeners about rising rents. Mm. Uh, it was understandably tough to stomach that massive monthly increase for many folks. But the tide has been turning. Renters are no longer uh, getting the screws turned on them. Uh, and in fact, renters, they kind of have the upper hand because while the, the specific supply of homes to buy remains low, we've seen a decent uptick in the number of available rental units, which means moderating rents. It means the ability to uh, ask for concessions, uh, in, maybe in the form of a rent discount, maybe a free month. Even, hey, check with your landlord, see if they'll throw some stuff in for free like uh, before it used to be you that had to take care of the lawn uh, maybe hey landlord maybe is this something that you want to you want to mm-hmm. take off my plate which makes me think like i've always offered yard service for uh as a landlord because so much of the community feel and the vibe of a neighborhood i feel like kind of comes down to how well the yard's kept up and i want to you want it to look nice for, for, for everybody. So. Yeah. yeah. But some folks, that may not be what they've done. And so the ability to kind of get that thrown in, not all runners want to want to spend time outside That's right. or want to pay for that service. But the truth is, you know, you're right. It is a it is a tenant market right now. And there's so much more ability for individuals to push back, to ask for those concessions, to ask for rent discounts. But you got to actually do it and you got to know how to do it well. We'd suggest checking out episode 469 if you haven't listened to that one yet. We interviewed an expert in the industry about how to negotiate with your landlord to reduce your rent. And you know what? When it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you might need to walk away and move down the street in a time where rents are actually not just stagnating, but going down in some markets. It's the best time to be an informed shopper. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, Matt, one other way to save on rent. It's an old school model that's back in vogue, boarding houses. But you didn't see this one coming, did you? <laughs> the The New York Times wrote about this trend, and parents coming back like cargo pants. Did you know cargo pants are coming back? I've seen them around. Okay, sorry, yeah. I'm not jumping in on that trend. Not everyone has to. I, I think refuse. about all that you can store, Joel. <laughs> I was more into cargo what, shorts. What are people uh, carrying around that they need those? I, I don't know. They're giant phones and stuff. Okay. All right, that's I have pockets, snacks, regular pockets, snacks. Don't eat them on keys. my on my thighs. You know, I prefer I, the fanny pack. I'm way more down with the fanny Less pack so. than cargo pants. Yeah, but boarding. I was just like shocked to to read this article, but it makes kind of sense. Like, because one of the the biggest benefits is that it helps reduce homelessness. Which recent stats came out about that homelessness is up in the United States right now, which is a terrible trend. And Nicholas Kristoff in this article he says, above all, this reflects a shortage of cheap housing. And this might sound like a, a devolution to going back to boarding houses, but these aren't the boarding houses of your grandma's era, right? These aren't like the ones from 50, 60 years ago. There are newfangled ways of, of bringing nicer boarding houses online. So PadSplit, in particular, is a startup trying to make it easier to find a room instead of a single family home or a full apartment all to yourself. And like we always say, Matt, the, the real win is relaxed zoning laws like Austin has just implemented, making it easier to increase density, which lowers prices, right? ADUs, yeah, they're part of the solution. We talk about them on the reg, but single rooms, boarding houses, those can be too. And Heck so yeah. uh, they're, they're at least better for a whole lot of folks than the pay-by-the-week hotels that are crummier oh, yeah. and cost more. And when you dig into the numbers, we're somewhere, we're, we're probably somewhere in the three to five million units short range in this country. And I do think that boarding houses are a solution, at least for some folks, for a period of time. Yeah. Okay, so a little trivia for you. Pad Split, uh, the the founder is from here in Atlanta, and I know him. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, we, we talked to him about adding onto our house uh, several years ago. But And he was uh, like, like, I'm too busy uh, starting a really cool <laughs> 
I don't think he had started it back then. He was with a construction company. Okay. And so he he came out to the house a few times, got to know him. Really nice guy. Nice. But I really love the mission though that Pad Split it has now, which is finding a way to get more folks in, in house. It's it's a similar mission as like Airbnb yeah. essentially, right? It's like, hey, you've got the space. Why not use technology here to find a way to spread that weight, the weight of that rent across yeah. uh, across multiple and, and just like, like a long term Airbnb sort and of. Just like that Nicholas Kristoff quote, it, it, I really do think price is the major factor when it comes to homelessness. It's not that there are, aren't other factors too, community support, mental illness, but like drastically increasing rent and housing costs are a massive part of the predicament we find ourselves in. Uh, okay, so we've talked a lot about how savers are finally not losing their shirts to inflation. Until this year, it had been a while since uh, you've been able to outpace inflation just in a basic old high-yield savings account. Well, that changed as inflation cooled and rates at banks remained high. But still, we've cautioned against getting too comfy with your higher interest rate, where you might be tempted into saving more than you should. And according to Vanguard, Gen Z investors entered 2023 with a higher cash allocation at 29% than baby boomers at 19%, mm. which is not necessarily an encouraging number to see. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, you need certainly a you need a basic emergency fund. You want to have eventually a f- fully fledged emergency fund, full three to six months worth of living expenses set aside, savings beyond that as well for other goals. Uh, but this trend just shows that Gen Zers are missing out on growth, uh, even with a five percent return on your savings. That is going to pale in comparison to what your money would have done if it was invested in the market this year. We're talking over twenty percent. Yeah, like almost. What, 24% so far? It's crazy. I mean, you know, it's tough to call call it at, the, <laughs> at this point. Who knows what it ends up doing the rest of the year. But we wanted to highlight the story because we want folks to know that cash is not trash. And with a long enough time horizon, ideally, you are investing the dollars that are in excess of some of those different saving needs. Uh, and it's important, too, to mention those saving needs, some, some of those different savings goals. Because one thing that I'm not sure that Vanguard, like we love Vanguard, but it kind of makes sense at the same time, right? The ability for, for younger investors to hang on to cash because they've got bigger purchases yeah. purchases coming up in life. And so if you are saving up, pinching off that hose a little bit and building up a, you know, your stockpiling cash in order to pay cash for a car or saving up for a down payment, yeah. that's something we can totally get behind. But, but if you're avoiding if, investing... If you're scared, if you're nervous, well, you are who we are speaking to right yeah. now. <laughs> Not and the I, folks who are chasing after those some of those big American dream-like goals that they have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think cash can feel comfortable. It can feel kind of like a, a Snuggie on a warm winter or a cold exactly. winter's night. But the bigger risk you're taking by being in cash, even with cash at elevated re- rates, even with your CIT account being north of 5%, or even with your CD being north of 5.5%, is you're, you're potentially missing out on those dollars going to, to work for you, amassing even larger returns in the coming years by being in the market. And just to back up this point even more, new research finds that investors who go all in on stocks end up creating more wealth for themselves, which is not necessarily groundbreaking, Matt. This is kind of, you and I have had the, uh, for people in the wealth building phase of their lives, kind of the the all stock mentality from the get-go. And when we look at history, we see that owning stocks is better than cash, bonds, and real estate over the long haul. It's just right. the best place to have your money uh, siphoned away. Bonds provide some psychological relief, and they make a, a ton of sense for older investors who are tapping retirement funds or getting close to that point. But in all stock portfolio, if you can stomach the volatility without feeling compelled to make changes right when times are tough but in an all stock portfolio if you can stomach the volatility without feeling compelled to make changes when tough times come along going all in on stocks inside of your tax advantaged accounts 
is an astute move. And for a more in-depth discussion, by the way, on that, we'd say check out episode 734 we did with Paul Merriman. But it really is as simple as like VT Sachs or VU and chill. Like it's those all stock S&P 500 or total stock market index funds or ETFs. They're cheap. They're diversified. And they're giving you the most exposure in those early years to the the uh, highest likelihood of, of outsized gains. That's right. Yeah, three out of four years, the market goes up, y'all. Uh, all right, Joel, let's uh, participate in a little thought experiment. Could you ditch the internet completely? Oh. Well, uh, we bring this up because there's a dude who uh, writes for The Atlantic. He did it. <laughs> he says that life is really better without the internet. Uh, and he, he didn't even do this in an attempt to save money, but that is something that he also accomplished. And it's not necessarily just the cost of Wi-Fi, right? It's, it's not the cost uh, cost of internet from Comcast. It's that he's shopping less. And then on top of that, the extra time that he's been able to bring back into his life. And it was a, it was a really compelling story. It, we're not going to promote like a Luddite lifestyle and want you to completely turn away from, from technology. It's not something that I, I don't think we could do that personally. <laughs> uh, but I do think that we can learn something from a digital minimalist, minimalist like Chris Moody. He was the, uh, the author of that, that article. And that's because the digital world, it tends to ensnare us, not only with our attention, but also our time, the money that we spend. And it's not that some of those tools that we have access to aren't helpful, but the vast majority aren't. And the end result here, I'm going to take this is more like a Jonathan Haidt line, but the te- like the technology that we're exposed to in social media in particular, it leads us to unhappiness as a result of how much time we end up spending online. And so we just want to make sure that folks are intentionally engaging with the technology that's around them rather than having it just permeate every part of their lives. I mean, you, like we've talked recently too about smartwatches and how the conversations we have with folks and the distractions that they can be to a oh, really yeah. nice conversation. And all of a sudden they just, whoop, little, whoop, you know, just a little quick glance and down at the wrist. All of a sudden somewhere completely, completely else. derailed. Yeah. I hate that. Again, it's not that there can't be good, but we want folks to be, aware of the impact that it's having on you and instead to to realize that there are other more important things in life re- personal relationships and finding other ways to engage with those who you love yeah, and, i think your attention has to be the most highly commoditized resource at this point that you have oh, more yeah. control over than you think and it's the most precious resource and we're constantly losing our attention it's constantly being drawn elsewhere and the more we can like push back against the things that are trying to steal our attention from us the happier we're going to be, the more focused we're going to be, the more in tune we're going to be with the people around us. I 100% think that's the case. And, and there's a different level of attention distraction that takes place these days. TV was distracting, but but like our smartwatches are distracting and, and our phones are distracting in a completely different way. Yeah. Potentially even a more nefarious way. And yeah. Well, and it's just, it's the technology that presents uh, distractions for us, that, distractions that we embrace, right? Because it's entertainment or, yeah. oh, here's a deal. Things that on the, its surface, you might say, oh, what's wrong with that? But it's when it, when it's when that supplants some of our other non-financial, more important things in life yeah. that we say are important, but instead we... They, they basically get the shaft. Yeah. And, you know? I, and I don't think we have to like move to Walden Pond, right? No. In order to succeed with this. I don't think we have to necessarily cut off our home internet connection. But I do think it, it makes me think two things. I think one, that we could maybe, maybe make some more radical moves in our lives to save money. Like sometimes we avoid some of the the tougher hurdles in order to bring money back into our life. Like I saw actually a a tweet today from somebody who said, hey, my car insurance just went up massively. I only drive 2,000 miles per year. What should I do? And my 
my reply was, you should sell that one of those cars. Yeah, like, you don't need that car. <laughs> yeah, you should ride your bike more and take Uber a little more. But most people are unwilling to take the step. Like, it's that comfort blanket of having a second car on hand, right? Yep. And so I do think there are more radical moves we can make to save more money in our lives. Think about those things. But it also makes me think you might just want to downgrade your internet speeds. Maybe maybe that's something worth considering. That's true. And Consumer Reports uh, had an internet speed calculator that you can totally, you can say, hey, we have two devices doing this, one device doing this. We're doing three email surfing on three devices, whatever. And it'll tell you like what sort of megabits per second speed you need for your internet. Because I think a lot of people, Matt, similar to paying for unlimited data on their cell phone or something like that when they don't need it. A lot of people are overpaying for speeds. They've seen the ads um, going around for gig speed internet and all this stuff. And they're like, that sounds awesome. And it's lightning fast, only $110 a month. And the truth is they'd be just as fine with the 30 or $40 package that has 50 or hundred meg speeds. So maybe, I don't know, t- check out that calculator, see if you can reduce your speeds, reduce your monthly cost. If you like us, are not quite yet willing to sever the connection completely. To live that Spartan existence. Couldn't agree more, man. All right, we've got additional stories that we're going to get to later on. We're going to talk about perhaps finding some bargains at Goodwill. We're going to talk about boutique fitness companies. All that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. 
Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Matt, we're back. The Friday flight keeps rolling along. Let's get to What's our your other favorite Southern comfort food, uh, uh, other than the, the collard greens. Collard greens. Collard greens. Comfy chicken biscuit and inside of collard greens. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> collard greens are so underrated. Hey, we're coming. We're getting close to New Year's Eve. Or is it New Year's Day? Our listeners Day? in the Pacific Northwest and, and the Northeast are like, "What are collard?" They're greens? like, "We I don't, don't think know, we don't know there. what grits are." <laughs> Cream Which of is wheat. Funny, we know what that is because I'm from the Pacific Northwest, but I still like collard greens. You're not. But, well, you were born there. You didn't, you're not from there. It's in my blood, Matt. When you say from, that it means counts. you were Im- like impacted by the culture. I was. How long did you live there? Uh, two years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. From zero to two is highly. Impactful. I, I can totally see you with a bird on it uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a two year old. <laughs> exactly. No, that's who I was. I still am that person. All right. Uh, let's get to the ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes from Bloomberg, and it reads: How the biggest boutique fitness company turns suburban moms into bankrupt franchisees. Matt, this article was sad. Uh, it was. But simultaneously revealing. And basically, there have been some some heinous folks capitalizing on the boutique fitness craze. I'm not sure if anyone else has noticed this. The preponderance of Orange Theories and just all these like boutique fitness franchises coming into towns near you. And what's happening with this is it's, it's actually disproportionately harming moms who are trying to start a side hustle serving their community. They're interested in fitness. They want to get their community into it as well. And so they're like, hey, listen, what if I start help bring one of these franchises here? And this was a long article, but it made some of these, some of these franchise fitness models feel almost like multi-level marketing organizations, yeah. but with even higher stakes because a lot of these folks, a lot of these specifically, mostly women trying to open up brand name local gyms have lost six figures because of the empty promises from the company selling them those franchises. They're, they're, they're saying, listen, we're going to support you. We're going to do this. We'll help you find the members. And then so much of the time it ends in disappointment and the loss of ridiculous sums of money. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, there is a remodel that's required, but guess what? You're going to have to foot the bill. Mm. Oh, and if you can't afford to pay that, you're just going to have to sign on for another five to ten years. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> like, this is it's less personal finance, but hopefully a helpful warning for folks out there who m- maybe are thinking about starting a business. Uh, because some of these folks, they raided their retirement accounts in order to buy these franchise rights, basically, to uh, a club Pilates or to a pure bar. Which is so incredibly dangerous, the fact that it's something that you've worked toward for maybe decades even, and then you think, oh yeah, this is right. this is going to be, this is the golden ticket. Uh, and simultaneously, though, it's, it's not that buying a franchise is never going to be a good idea, but it is crucial to do your due diligence, and in this case, there are a lot of poor policies written into these agreements. And plus, on the boutique gym front, man, it, like, it seems like we've almost reached a point of saturation. It's likely going to be even harder to make some of these numbers work, given how many of these competing chains and locations have sprouted up around the country. Uh, but then on top of that, from a personal finance side of things, if you have to cash out the retirement account in order to pull it off, I think that's a major red flag that we don't want folks to pin their their hopes and dreams and futures yeah. to. Yeah, it's it's almost like you can ruin your present and your future at the same time by taking this tact. Yep. And just uh, should be should be a word of the wise someone selling you something the, these these guys selling these franchises are making tons of money and whether whether you succeed or fail <laughs> and and you uh, are 
pulling out your future savings, hoping, needing to succeed without the support necessary to do so. It does not seem like they have the support. Yep. Exactly. It, it seems like they're more interested in basically sucking these individuals dry mm-hmm. and <laughs> getting those fees rather than the individual success of each company. Again, so much like a multi-level each location. marketing organization where it's like, I get paid when you come under me. Yeah. And then, yep. yeah, I get paid some if you make money, but the biggest thing is bringing you in in the first place. Yeah. So it's pretty dirty organization, pretty dirty way of doing business. Uh, All right, Matt, let's talk about resale. A new report from ThreadUp finds that resale is likely to double as a category by 2027, 3x the pace of the the global apparel market. And this is is good news because uh, data from Princeton Review finds that 57% of discarded clothes end up in landfills. I didn't realize it was that bad. That's... It's a lot, man. That sounds horrendous, right? Uh, that's not good at all. And well, and we've seen that even to, even with goodwills and stuff taking donations, so much of the stuff is unfit even for resale that it ends up in the trash too, just creating more of a headache for the thrift stores and goodwills out there. And so, uh, secondhand used to really only be like an in-person kind of experience, but now you can buy used online as well. And we've we've seen more of the major retailers like Levi's, Lululemon, Madewell buying pieces back from their customers to resell on their own site, which is awesome. I love seeing that. Like It's almost like higher-end secondhand. And it's yeah. A, yeah, and so it, I, I think it's a good idea for us to partake in this trend, both on the buying and the selling side. It's a great way to, to be green while simultaneously saving green. So I love seeing the resale market kind of grow and expand and change and shift and just make it more appealing to users of all bank account levels. Totally. Yeah, yeah. You could even shop Goodwill online at goodwillfinds.com. I remember it was maybe, they've revamped their site over the past number of years, but like 10, 15 years ago, I remember discovering it for the first time. And I remember buying myself a pair of, what are the boat shoes called? Um, oh, Sperry's. Sperry's, yeah. yeah. It was like a brand new pair of Sperry's. And I was like, I've never owned a pair of boat shoes before. That seems like a <laughs> Southern preppy thing. <laughs> and I totally got a pair of those. I loved them. They were great. They worked for a while. It wasn't what my wife was expecting me to wear, but, <laughs> but I totally rocked them for a This isn't for, the Matt I married. <laughs> I rocked them in my own way, Joel. Yeah. You can't have like the whole ensemble, but you can throw in, you know, you got to keep folks on their you toes. You wearing cufflinks with them? <laughs> no. Uh, by the way, there's a, a site called Recommerce that lists out the top resale sites. Uh, we'll link to it in our show notes. But uh, it, it, I am happy that more of these companies are, are, are jumping on this. It's sort of like, I don't want to say you should be brand loyal, but a lot of folks like certain brands. I know, like, funny you mentioned Levi's, because I know you used to at least be a, a huge fan of Levi's. I, I like Levi's jeans. But, like, if you know the product, if you know it with Levi's specifically, your number, right? Like, they've they got the different cuts, whatever. Oh, yeah. 474. I'm a 5'11 guy. Or, yeah, whatever, 5'11. And... There's a certain amount of predictability there. Like, it makes me think of certified pre-owned at car dealerships. Is, is this going to be the absolute best way for you to get a deal? No. But there is a certain level of what they're willing to sell. And so there's a. it takes some of the pressure off, right? It keeps you from having to go digging through some bins at Goodwill. It, even, it keeps you even from scouring eBay and spending a whole lot of time there trying to find a good seller. Yeah. Being like, oh, are these legitimate sales? I see a bunch of feedback and it's 99% positive, but were those just a bunch of burner sales that they ended up selling <laughs> in order to get, put one over on me, pull the wool over my eyes as I attempt to buy these 
nice jeans. Uh, by the way, stay tuned because our first interview of the new year, it's, it's actually going to be with someone not only who's from the Pacific Northwest, Joel, but someone who bought nothing for an entire year. She wasn't just not buying new, but she bought nothing. Nada. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Let's talk about uh, complicated, expensive prescription drugs, Joel. Uh, we've already seen some cool companies out there who are doing some good work to add transparency to the market, to the space. Companies who are helping consumers save a ton of money. We're talking about GoodRx. Uh, and then Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drugs. That's a, a newer company, but they're two of the biggest success stories out there. Well, in addition to that, the major pharmacies are starting to see the light a little bit, uh, or they're at least feeling the heat, <laughs> changing their playbook, playbook a little bit. CVS, they announced that they're moving to a Cost Plus model that's similar to uh, what it is that Mark Cuban's site is is doing. So instead of the, the complicated proprietary formula, it's under lock and key like the like Coke, the Dr. Pepper recipe. Coke formula. Or, or, or the, the KFC. Uh, how many? What spices are you actually using, Colonel? Uh, but what that meant for folks were higher script prices for consumers. Uh, and so instead of that, they're going to uh, just a, in a more straightforward direction. That's going to include a markup over what it is that they pay with a flat fee attached starting in the first half of next year. That being said, I'm not necessarily going to hold my breath to... I'm not going to assume that it's going to be more affordable with some of the bigger names like CVS than going with some of these more agreed consumer friendly companies who like their entire mission is to make it more affordable. Yeah. Like in my mind, they're going to lower their prices just enough to keep people from jumping ship because there's friction involved yeah. when it comes to learning a new platform, new system. They want to keep people around. And so they do that by lowering prices. They get the pat on the back. They look good. But also, their prices are still likely higher than some of their competitors. Yeah, I mean, they even announced under this change that some drug prices are actually going to go up, <laughs> uh, which which actually makes sense because they probably have some of their cheapest items or loss leaders, like I'm guessing antibiotics, right? They're, they probably pay a little more than what they actually charge, and so prices on, on those will likely go up for people. Uh, and to, yeah, we don't know all the details on how this is going to shake out. It is probably still a win for consumers. I would say st it's it's even more important though, Matt. You're right. Check out Costco. Check out Cost Plus Drugs. Uh, there are more places to research prescription drug prices. Going with the big pharmacy chains is still unlikely going to be your best bet. Uh, so check a, a site, an app like GoodRx before you decide where to have your prescription filled. That's a great way to comparison shop before you go out there and get that prescription too. But it's, I will say, I guess it is good to see the major pharmacy chains who fill a bulk of the prescriptions in this country finally pivoting to a somewhat more consumer-friendly pricing model. And Walgreens has launched its own GoodRx competitor, Matt. I don't know if you saw that. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes. I'm not sure if it's as robust or helpful. Probably not. But uh, every little thing helps, right? Shining transparency, transparency, shining some light on how much we're actually forking over, how much we're going to pay for that prescription drug. The discrepancy can be massive, whether you have insurance or not. And sometimes using your insurance is actually going to result in a higher price than what you'd get with somebody like GoodRx. So it's worth shopping the market especially if it's a medicine that you take routinely, regularly, every single month. Sure. Yeah, that's right. All right. We talked about geographic arbitrage last week on, I think that was an Ask, yeah, that was an ask How to Money episode, a listener question. Well, yeah, moving somewhere else can reduce your costs substantially. And in the era of remote work, you might not even have to deal with any sort of income reduction because oftentimes that would be the trade-off. Uh, but one other way to use arbitrage to your advantage could be to hire someone who lives in another country. The journal, they had an article about the massive advantage of hiring a tutor who lives overseas 
and saving a bundle. Uh, there was an example uh, that they gave where someone hired a PhD math tutor from Pakistan for $4 an hour, wow. <laughs> which is a far cry from evidently the, the average going rate is $24. Um, but that being said, it's also well above the minimum wage over there, which is just $1 an hour. So you're looking at a, a 4x increase of doing a little bit of work on the side. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think of a friend of the show, Jack Rains. He's actually written about a company called Oceans XYZ. They help you to hire executive staff, like executive support staff in other countries, I think specifically in Sri Lanka, for a fraction of the price. Yeah. Uh, but it just it, it makes me really glad that this exists. I'm not totally sure if, if I would do it, but I'm glad that it exists. Again, kind of going back to uh, the cl- the clothes resale story that we we're, t- we're talking about, it's kind of a win-win. It's a win for those who are providing the service because they're making more, and it's a win for those who might not otherwise be able to afford something like tu- uh, expensive tutoring for their yeah. kid if that's something that they need. Uh, would you ever consider it? No, I, I think I would totally consider this. Cause, consider uh, the virtual option? Yeah, I would. I, I think we probably would be willing to, to pay more to do a little bit in person. I do think that that can have an advantage, but I, I would be really curious to check it out and see if some sort of virtual tutor in the five to eight dollar an hour range or something like that if that would be just as good just as helpful i don't know i would i'm definitely open to it um yeah same it's amazing how much money you can save i'm open to it and i think a lot of it depends though on your experience during the pandemic like when kids yeah when all they were doing was virtual schooling because i think a lot of folks had great experiences and are saying oh my gosh i would totally do that my kid did really well but I also think there's a lot of folks who are like, no, that was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Zoom learning sucks. <laughs> and they don't want to revisit anything that resembles Zoom learning. That's a good point. That yeah. would probably be my, because like my eight-year-old would would probably not take to it well, but my 10-year-old might. So depends on the kid too. She's literally like got PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we like all do. Starts shaking a little yes. bit. But uh, I still remember her like checking out her big toes while she was supposed to be like, <laughs> Actually learning stuff. What are you doing? Stop it. Lighting stuff on fire that she shouldn't have. I mean, yeah, it was oh, it was bad. I don't remember that story. Yeah, she definitely had, well, like, had her hand over a candle or something. We were like, what are you doing? She's like, I don't feel anything anymore, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to prove that I'm alive. That's right. But I've got feelings still. But uh, all right, that's going to be it, though, for this Friday flight. Actually, I'm kind of surprised we, got, we have an absence of Christmas holiday-like stories. Oh, yeah. But hey, you know, personal finance... You take these stories and apply them to all areas of your life, including the holidays. Okay, can't, I, just a quick holiday reference. All right, what? The best new holiday movie, The Holdovers. So good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's $20 to rent, which is ridiculous. Big, big splurge to watch for it at home. Rich Daddy Fat Sacks over here. But I did. I'm glad I did. I never, it's like, that might be the first or second time I've ever done that, but it was worth it. That movie, truly excellent. It's got, it's got like Dead Poet Society vibes yep. with like a quarter of the cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, incredible acting, incredible storyline. Nice. I'm have to check it out. I remember seeing the preview for it. It made me think of... It's funny because we read all the Harry Potter books and then watched all, all the films. There's like that period of time in between, like over the holidays when some kids like, hold over. Yeah. You know, like they, they stay there at school, which is always so unpredictable. Who knows what's going to happen <laughs> while there isn't class and yeah. most people, none of the teachers are watching us. Short staff, <laughs> six naughty kids. What's, you know, what could go wrong? Is it a boarding school? Yeah. yeah. Does it make you ever wish that you would have had a boarding school like experience? 
Uh, only uh, a very small part of it. Boarding yeah. houses earlier. I mean, it sounds kind of cool, but then you're away from your family, which would stink. So yeah. But like, I, I get the the camaraderie being kind of thrown mm-hmm. into it with a bunch of other. Like this is like an all boys school or whatever at this in this movie, and a very small part is appealing, but the rest of it, nah. I'm yeah, good. I'm good. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but we do hope everyone out there has a wonderful Christmas or Kwanzaa if you celebrate or Hanukkah. Hanukkah's over at this point, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think you're right. But give your loved ones, give your friends a nice big old hug, and we will see you back here next week. Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, but until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.